The following is a paid presentation. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the staff and management of Shiawassee Radio. This is your cell. This is your bunk. This is the Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio, live from the Cofield Oil and Propane Studios. Here's attorney Bill Amadeo. Okay, we are live. I am Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo and Grable and Associates and the Shiawassee Six. And I guess tonight, me and one of the members of the Six are going to be at it a little bit, so I want to apologize in advance. It's holidays, man. Yeah. Holidays are weird sometimes, huh? I'm going to tell a couple stories today. One's going to be about car washes. Weird stories about car washes. And why did I decide to get my car washed today? That was a mistake. I've never had luck with car washes. Be clear about that. It's never worked out well for me, and today was no exception to that. This guy and I really got into it, man. I tried to tip him, and he pulled the hose on me. I'll get there. Joe Bear and I, one of my best friends. Love Joe Bear like a brother, but we are having some major heat right now on legal issues. And I'm going to explain a conversation, one of the many conversations Joe and I have been having late at night about different fields of law. Let me just say this. Joe Ibera is probably one of the top, if not the top, law enforcement minds I've ever come across. And I'm a defense lawyer. And whether I'm a great defense lawyer or last defense lawyer depends on who you ask. We have different philosophies on things at times, despite our friendship. And some of the issues that have gotten really heated with Joe and I lately sort of want to affect our friendship. Professionally, we are seeing things very differently. And I will say, Joe, if you run for office, if you become sheriff in Shiawassee, whatever, and we're on different sides of the coin, we're going to be worthy adversaries. No question about that. But I definitely disagree on a few issues, and I'll hit one tonight. I did tell you this morning in text we were going back and forth I was going to bring something up tonight. And um, professional banter is going on with me in a bear right now. And as much as I respect him, I disagree with him on an issue. And he disagrees with me on several issues. So we'll get into that. Then I'm going to talk about a weird law school Thanksgiving party. I guess the moral to the story there is if you break up with somebody on Tuesday and Thanksgiving is on Thursday, you probably shouldn't attend festivities i digress all right let's get into the car wash live audience what up (laughs) it was a dirty car all right so i've never had luck with car washes you know one of my first really nice cars i thought it was a nice car was a 2002 chevy malibu we've come a long way since then but um one of the things i like to do was get the car washed. And this is like a year and a half before law school. So I'm getting the car washed. There was this place in Pleasantville. It was a one of those premier, but you go through, you pay the cash, you walk out. I used to go late at night. And one night, I remember getting robbed and mugged as I'm leaving the car wash. I thought, what an amazing place to rob somebody. You're leaving the car wash, the soap's coming off, and boom. So I, I was skeptical, 
But the Caddy was really bad, man. I mean, for those of you that have seen my car lately, holy sh**. The snow came down. It was just horrible. It was filthy. And I decide I'm going to go to the car wash. So there's a car wash by my house. Um, I go there, and there's like a line that's like a mile long. Like, everybody wants to get their car washed the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Okay. I'm not waiting in line. I'll just suffer through the dirty car before I do that. There's another place, which wasn't too far from the house. Like, okay, I'll go there. Shh, closed. Wait, Jesus. Maybe I could go like a mile out or something. So I go to this third place. And this is where shit went wrong. I go to this third place. And, um, and I see Tina... Edgill said she got stuck in a car wash once. Tina, wait for it. Because that was my concern, was getting stuck in a car wash today. It really... Hmm. So at this place, you have three options, right? There's normal, deluxe, and super. And I, I mean, I'm not a car wash guy. I'm not a car guy. I just, ah, let me go with the super. Get it nice and clean. So there's a line... And you pull up, and there's this one guy there. Now, I think he's just going to take your receipt. That's what I think the guy's going to do. He's going to take your receipt, right? Here you go, sir. So I pull out a $5 tip to tip him. So I show him the receipt in one hand, and I get the $5 tip in another hand. Put both hands on the wheel! Like, whoa, bro. I'm, how do I keep both hands on the wheel... And hand you the receipt. Shut up! Like, dude, what's your problem? We're getting into it. He goes, I want the car in neutral, and I want your foot on the brake. Okay, car in neutral, foot on the brake. Okay. So I rolled the window, and he squirted it down in the back before you go through this thing. So he starts bagging on the window. What's your problem? Like, what? I said, car in neutral, foot off the brake. I said, no, dude, you said foot on the brake. I'm telling you. And I'm holding the $5 at the try to give him the tip. And he screamed, you paid already, you son of a bitch. I'm like, what is your deal? Now, he's got the hose, right? This hose is going to go through the car. So I'm rolled up the car, and he's holding the hose like he's holding a gun at me. And he, can, he has, like, marbles in his mouth, and there's noises in the back, and I got the window up, and I tried to get squirted, and I'm holding my ground. And this is just going terribly wrong. So I roll down the car window a little bit, and I'm like, look, man, what's your deal? He goes, I want the car in neutral, so it can roll. Like, but wait. There's a bunch of cars here, and if the machine malfunctions, I'm going to hit somebody in the back. Now there's like six people behind me and they're beeping the horn. You son of a bitch. I want to get my car washed. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm yelling at him. He's yelling at me. He's telling me how stupid I am. I'm trying to explain to him. This has auto accent written all over it. He doesn't seem to care. And he's got the hose. <laughs> so I just roll through. And uh, felt like I got stuck there for a minute. My own flashbacks in New Jersey. <laughs> Wasn't a good thing. When you get towards the end of the car wash, I just floored and got the hell out of there.
was a good experience. So, um, maybe he's just having a bad day. I'm sure tonight when he's trying to impress some woman, he's going to tell them how there was this moron in a Cadillac who didn't know how to use the car wash and he told him off. It's not really what happened. I was trying to tip the guy. He's screaming at me. He's threatening me with the hose. <laughs> you can't really hear. You have those things in the back. You know, you're trying to make out what the guy's saying. It was just bad. But I digress. Okay. Let's talk about Mr. Ibera. And Joe, love you, man. But we... Let me back this up. And I know Joe was a reserve for 10 years and not certified in law enforcement, but I mean, honestly, a brilliant law enforcement mind, to say the least. Sunday night, we go to Flint Roller Derby. Me, Joe, and Mike McCotney. Mike was there already. Hell of a show, by the way. Um, even if you're not a roller derby fan, those girls in Flint, they kick some ass. It's a good time. You should go to Flint Roller Derby. Highly recommend it. We're going to sponsor them on our end. I really was impressed with their effort and their teamwork. But Joe and I were talking about legal issues of the day. And this is where things got a little heated. I had a case were actually won on an entrapment motion and Joe follows some of my cases and he was not thrilled about that. And he told me how he believed my client was actually guilty. He didn't like the fact that a guilty man got off. He feels that's not protecting the community. And I explained to him how it was the objective standard of entrapment. Now Joe knows his entrapment well. Let's talk about entrapment. Do a little crim pro lesson here. Entrapment is when the police officer induces somebody into a crime. What was going on in this particular case in this county was the officers basically induced this young kid into a crime, in my opinion. They told him one thing, they deceived him, they misled him. Now, here's the thing about the defendant. Um... I'm not going to get into whether he was guilty or not, but he was involved in a very serious allegation. When we look at entrapment, there's two standards we use. There's the objective standard and there's the subjective standard. Now the objective standard, which is the majority, basically tells you would a normal law-abiding citizen be induced to commit the act. The subjective standard really looks at the criminal history of the defendant and it's a very in my opinion more pro law enforcement understand who Joe Abera is he's somebody who wants to protect the community he is the symbol of law enforcement if you would I'm a protector of the Constitution and in this particular case the defendant did have a very colorful criminal history to say the least if Joe was the sheriff, he would have taken a very different approach than the sheriff in that county. But the reality is this, based on the objective standard that we have, I got a dismissal on a motion. And that really bothered Joe on a number of levels. And here's where Joe's at. And Joe, I get it and I respect it. You want to protect your community. I get it. This was Shiawasa, you'd be very bothered by this outcome. And it's very, it's on the fence whether or not the defendant 
wanted to commit the crime before interaction with the law enforcement officer. There's two schools of thought we got to really view here. One, should we punish somebody for committing a crime? And that's a clear black and white issue, right? Did they commit a crime? Is there a punishment? But then there's that gray area. This is where I kind of live in the gray area. Was the defendant going to engage in this criminal activity without the enticement of the law enforcement officers? Understand with these sting operations, police and police have a tough job. Don't get me wrong, but they're looking to protect the community. My question is this. If they put the idea in somebody's head, especially a young kid, to commit a crime, should that kid get a free pass? I want to preserve the Constitution. I say, yeah, the kid deserves a free pass because but for the actions of the law enforcement officer, this kid does not engage in this criminal activity. And Joe is more of the mindset, but for this kid committing a criminal activity, he is putting women and children in that community in jeopardy. It's a classic example of a law enforcement personality versus defense lawyer. You know, and I get the job of the prosecutor. I get the job of the sheriff's department. I understand it completely. But they also feel we got to uphold the Constitution. And I'll say this. In this particular sting operation, if the police officers were trained better, maybe the outcome would have been different. I'm not going to apologize for getting the outcome I got on that particular case. Why well, respect Joe's opinion on this? I mean, I think the cops got to do a better job sometimes. I don't want police officers bad-mouthed. I don't want them trashed. I know they have a tough job. But so does a criminal defense lawyer. And when I see a young kid that may not have get involved in criminal activity without the inducement of the police officer... I gotta scream foul. It's my job to scream foul. I know where Joe's at. It would be his job to protect that county. You know, and I'm sure the right answer is somewhere in the middle. But entrapment, to me, there's two views on it outside the legal realm. In my opinion, entrapment is the police trying to create an arrest. And I think where Joe's at, Joe, I don't want to speak for you, so feel free to counter me. I think where Joe is at is when the police are involved in a sting, they're trying to find the underbelly, where the real criminal activity is. I have a real problem with entrapment. I have a real problem with the castle doctor not being applied properly. Um, there's a lot that goes into this, all right? But I will say I respect a law-abiding police officer the way the law-abiding police officer should respect the law-abiding citizen. I just don't feel, especially with a younger person, that we should allow the police to induce a young person into a crime. And I think, Joe, where you're at is we know right from wrong. And listen, man, I live in the world of muck and shades of gray, and you live more in a world of black and white. And I sure as hell respect that, and I'm glad somebody like you could be protecting my family but i have a job to protect my client so we'll get a lot more into that as we proceed but entrapment bothers me on so many levels um i really think the police should just lay back and act when they're needed to act and i know joe feels sometimes the police need to be more proactive and i respect that but when we get into that shade of gray you know 
that shade of gray took me from the ghetto to Stonebridge, so I can't really hate that shade of gray. But I understand where you're coming from. We'll talk a lot more about that. But I do respect Joe Bear a great deal, but we... Very different point of view on the entrapment issue. And that's where we're at. Best advice I give anybody for Thanksgiving is if you break up with somebody, you should not attend their Thanksgiving event. And that's a lesson I learned hard my second year of law school. Do you remember that? No, I told you about that before. Okay. Live audience is nodding their head. They're laughing because they know what story is coming. All right, so in law school, I lived at Village Green. And um, there was a girl I met who lived at Village Green as well. And she moved out and got her own apartment. She actually bought a little house in the area. And she, every year, what she would do is she would cook this major Thanksgiving feast, if you would. And there would be a bunch of us that would go over there. I mean, the people that were included at these events were some professors, some deans, some students. And you gotta wonder, when a dean of a law school is going to a student's apartment for Thanksgiving meal, something went wrong with that person. Inside joke, you know who I'm talking about. But this young woman and I started dating, and we had a real falling out two days before Thanksgiving. And let me be real, it wasn't exactly a lifetime romance to begin with. Um, we both had different agendas for law school. I mean, her agenda was to find a lawyer to marry. My agenda was to be a successful lawyer. Just different outlooks on life. And I gotta tell you, for the young girls out there that really wanna marry a successful lawyer, and I mean no disrespect, but if you're looking at Cooley, you're probably fishing in the wrong pond. I mean, of the thousands of us, there's only a few of us that have been successful, so... I mean, you might want to date one of those MSU geeks or those U of M geeks, because, I mean, usually... I mean, some idiot will give them a job. But, you know, I digress. So, what she did for Thanksgiving was she took the whole week off. She's going to cook every day. She's not going to attend classes, blah, blah, blah. And as I said, we were having some issues, mostly about me working too much. Shocker there. And she said she wanted help cooking. Now, if you know me, the only thing I'm good at is making reservations. I could pick stuff up. Like, I can't cook. Do you really want me cooking your Thanksgiving meal? Jesus. You're going to get sick. I mean, I could cook it if you could just press two in the microwave and take the tin foil off. That'll be okay, but I mean, I can't cook. So, hey, listen, I, I don't know what I'm doing in the kitchen, so here's some money. Go buy some food, but I... You want me cooking. So, she goes, well, no, I really want your help cooking. So, can I just give you, like, a hundred bucks to go buy food? She said yes. So, Tuesday before Thanksgiving... We have this bad falling out. I'm in the library, working late, and she keeps calling. Why aren't you coming home to help with the ham? What? I gave you money. No, I need you to help with the ham. I need you to baste the ham. I don't even know what that means. And I said, look, I, I'm going to be studying. I'm going to study all night. I'm not going to help you with the ham. I'm just going to screw it up. I gave you money to buy ham whatever 
She goes, well, don't come to my house later. Okay. So I just studied. I went home, and my phone's blowing up. Why didn't you come by? You told me I have to come by. And she's going, well, you know, I don't even want you coming to Thanksgiving. Okay. I'll be at the apartment studying, watching football. Sounds good to me. Well, few friends want me to go to this event because I already agreed to go. And I'm not one to really go back on my word. It's not my style. I'm going to go to this event, but her and I had this breakup. So I call her on Wednesday, which would be today, um, going back 16 years, but it was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Like, hey, listen, so-and-so want me to come. I don't want there to be any drama. If you're going to be uncomfortable, I'll tell them no. If we could just be cordial towards each other, I'll show up. And very quietly, oh, Bill, please, come by. Nobody needs to know what's going on with us. We could be nice to each other and professional and no big deal. Oh, okay, cool. Makes sense, right? So... I get there after the Lions game, which was like about 4 o'clock, right before the Cowboys game comes on. And I wanted to watch football. Makes sense, right? And there was this guy that was there. And nobody could really understand him. Like a low talker. You couldn't understand what he was saying. And I'm watching football with a few people. And he dated this one girl. And this one girl, she could understand what he says, but nobody else could understand him. It's like that scene from Seinfeld when Jerry agreed to wear the goddamn puffy shirt because he couldn't understand what the low talker said. Well, that's what this guy was like. He's like a low talker. I don't know what's going I got money on the game. Shocker there, right? I want to watch the Cowboy game the afternoon game and with the these deans and professors are getting drunk hanging with students which was beyond bizarre but you know stupid as stupid does so the guy the low talker is sitting there and i'm watching football with a few people blah 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 blah, blah. uh-huh uh-huh right right so he takes the remote control and he changes the channel I'm like dude what are you doing i snatch the remote control back his girlfriend comes out he asked you if you could turn on the chat, turn the channel. You took it from that? Okay, number one, no. I don't understand a word this poor bastard said. And two, I got money on the game. Am I the only one here that wants to watch a football game? They all want to watch. They agree with me. Now I feel bad. Low talker, he's crying. Because I'm yelling. Okay, well, why are you crying? There's no crying in football. Now I'm apologizing to him, and now I'm missing the freaking game anyway, because I'm trying to cheer this poor idiot up. Well, my ex, whatever you want to call her, she'd been drinking all day. And she decided we should play this game, which was very similar to Festivus, where Frank Costanza would air his grievances. So as she's drinking, she's telling everybody how she feels about them. Oh, and Joe, you're great. And Tina, you're great. And she's oh, B. Throws down some more wine. Oh, B. 
B'd rather make love to his multiple choice than hang out with his girlfriend, right, you son of a bitch? And she's screaming and ranting and raving. Well, everybody knows we broke up. And she's just going on and on. He cares about his MCs and blah, blah, blah. So, it's getting really uncomfortable there. I can't watch the game because the low talker's crying. The ex is drunk and screaming at me. The dean's a professor who's trying to get laid. I like, and bro, you're, you're at the wrong place, first of all. I mean, better off going to a bar. And, um, I decide, well, it's time to leave. So a few people, they want to leave, too. Well, here's the problem. They're drunk. I'm sober, of course. The non-drinker. And, uh, they're still hungry. We didn't get to eat. Because crazy chick decided to get drunk before the food was served. Low talkers crying. I hope to watch the game somewhere. We go to Denny's. And we're ordering Thanksgiving at Denny's in Lansing. And these poor drunken idiots are telling their tales of woe. There's this one small TV in the right corner at the Denny's. And I'm trying to watch the game while being the free counselor to these poor idiots. And of course nobody's got money, so I'm picking up the tab. Law school. Not that I had money in law school, but I mean I definitely um, had enough to pay for a meal at Denny's and a tip. Which apparently they didn't. And so I'm paying for the meal. I'm like, alright, you know, it's fine. It's one idiot. Knowing that I'm paying for the meal... This pissed me off till the rest of my life. I want a piece of pecan pie to go. The other idiots fall in line and they order pumpkin pie to leave. So now I'm picking up the tab so these morons can have Thanksgiving dessert the next couple days. I didn't get to watch the game in peace. The low talker was crying. The ex-girlfriend was drunk saying what an asshole is. And that was Thanksgiving at Cooley that year. All right. What do we learn from this? Well, Joe Bear, great legal mind, but we're going to have bag heads sometimes. Um, be careful at car washes in Ann Arbor, especially if you can't understand what the guy's saying, because it could really end up being dramatic. And um, don't go to Thanksgiving events when you broke up with somebody. The Jail Visit with attorney Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo. Connect with McManus and Amadeo at McManusAmadeo.com or call 800-392-7311. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio. I, tell you, I traveled so much this week, I feel like a caravan of criminal law. Today we were in Barry County. Tomorrow's Standish, I believe. Rock tour just keeps going. So, I'm a little little more tired than usual. You start your day in the gym, then you go hit your rock tour, then you come back and do motions and study and blah, blah, blah. It's always fascinating seeing different courthouses. Now, when you're driving through Battle Creek, all you see is churches and liquor stores. Fascinating. For some reason, I was going through Battle Creek today, and I was inspired to do this live. So today, we're going to talk about St. James. We're kicking it back to grammar school and the old candy sales at St. James and other drama that happened. 
St. James, what a group of assholes wear. I could say that today, it's fine. And, uh, don't talk about bar events. When I say bar events, I mean, like, legal bar events. Those things you go to when you're a young lawyer, you're naive. Those networking events. There's some interesting ones. I'm going to tell you about one I went to, which was about the cannabis section of the Michigan bar. And for those of you that know me, I never smoked weed in my life. But there was somebody who worked at our firm who was this huge cannabis person. I mean, this guy thought cannabis was the greatest thing in the world. And he went to this event one time, and some good memories. I never thought that six years later I'd be doing a Facebook Live about it. But, you know, these things happen. Let's get back to St. James. So every year... St. James would probably do about 20 fundraisers. I'm being facetious, but maybe I'm not. I mean, they were always looking for money. I mean, they had their handout more than a crazy ex-girlfriend who tells you she still has feelings for you, but she'd like to borrow some money from you so she could take her new man out to dinner. Right, whatever. You know, and some of those situations, I advise, give them some cash if they promise not to call you anymore. Neither here nor there. My Catholic school days... <laughs> Sorry, filters off. My Catholic school days, man, they always wanted more money. And one of the things they used to do at St. James every year is they would bring in this guy. Weird looking guy. And he would be the candy salesman. And he would give a speech to all the kids about how you gotta sell these overpriced candy bars. And let me tell you, the candy bars tasted like shit. These weren't like Snickers or Milky Ways, okay? These were these crappy, like, knockoff candy bars. But if you go to St. James, you gotta sell these candy bars. And if you win, if you win these candy, if you win these events, guess what? You get an item. It's an amazing item. For example, you get a Game Boy from Nintendo. The Game Boy is like $300. And if you sell $3,200 of candy bars, you're eligible to win the Game Boy. It's really weird. You know, and then at St. James, it was always kind of messed up. It was always rigged who won. But we were motivated. So this guy would get on stage. We would go down to the gym. And the teachers would lead the students down there. And here's all the nuns that are all excited because Mr. Williams, let's just call him is going to give a speech about selling candy and this guy will go up on the stage and he's going to tell you I left my job as an executive on Wall Street to sell these amazing candy bars you too kids can follow in my footsteps but to get to this level of success you have to sell X amount of candy bars and all the nuns and teachers be clapping. All right, Mr. Williams, you're the man. Okay, let me tell you, Mr. Williams. Mr. Williams is some unemployed idiot who's selling candy to Catholic schools at overpriced rates so he could somehow pay his mortgage. He's burned out. His wife's scamming on him. He's trying to have an affair, but he's too ugly to pull it off. But he's got these boxes of candy bars going from school to school. And these nuns and teachers, well, you had to see what they look like, okay? If you saw what they look like, 
you don't understand why they're so excited because this guy's coming in. So, oh my God, a man's coming in who's not a priest. Maybe he'll find one of us attractive. Can we buy some candy bars? It was like a cult revival of unattractive religious people. And I'm sitting here, like the teachers are ugly. This guy's an idiot. He's pitching these candy bars. Here's Linda McDevitt, the eighth grade teacher. Ugh. You've heard me talk about her before. This large woman would be telling us, you better sell those candy bars. I guess she was getting a piece of it. I don't know. But these candy bars were the thing. And, you know, and I gotta tell you, I'm not a candy bar eater today, but they tasted like shit. It'd be like charging $3 for a bar that's less appealing than the Snickers in 1989. Who the f*** buying this and the best part was Atlantic City, let's go door to door. Well, let me know how far that goes before you get murdered for your goddamn candy bars. But okay. The Ventner kids, the one whose families were doctors and lawyers, they would always sell the most candy bars because the families would buy the candy bars so they could have the best seats in church. And this is what you learned right now. This is a fucking caste system, right? But this guy would come in and every year he'd pitch these candy bars. So one year... You get motivated, right? I'm going to sell the most candy bars. You're busting your ass selling these candy bars and blah, blah, blah. And you realize, years later, you were being used. Every year, this idiot would come in. And he would go to St. Michael's when it was still around. Star to see. Blessed Sacrament. I mean, I want to know how the f*** this guy went to every Catholic school with this candy bar scam. And these teachers bought into it. I'm telling you guys, St. James Catholic School in the 80s and 90s was a cult. They would sell these candy bars and do these stupid, stupid fundraisers. The cut-a-thon. You gotta get your hair cut on this day because the church gets a cut. You know, and they would do this whole thing in the guise of Jesus were making these sales. I can't stress to you how lousy these bars were. And of course, as you're riding the bus from Atlantic City to Ventnor to go to school, you start eating the bars. You're hungry. There's nothing else going on. Every bar you eat, well, there's more money into the church's pocket. You came up short in those bars, man. It was drama. You handed in $100, but it looks like there were 34 bars stolen. Coming out of your ass. Very weird, man. And then it got really clickish. There was this one ugly kid who was a good salesman. And if you see his wife today on Facebook, because he's ugly, she's somewhat attractive, so he must have been a really good salesman. Whenever you see an ugly guy with an attractive woman, you say to yourself, this guy has a history in sales. And this guy did. He was, like, way ahead of his time. I'm selling these candy bars, and I'm doing this, and I'm doing that. And it was always fascinating. And you learn years later, his mother, who, well, she had her own issues, she would buy X amount of candy bars so her son could be listed as, like, one of the top salesmen of these candy bars. The system was rigged. And... It used to be like this thing, like Miss McDevitt and these other teachers would brag about who were the top candy bar salesmen. They'd post on the board, oh, so-and-so sold this many, come on up here and take some applause. 
That place was so f***ing weird. Remember? I'm thinking, I, I know, I'm thinking of drama at St. James, right? In addition to the candy bar salesman, and I can't stress it again, this was an unattractive man who was unemployed selling candy to grammar school kids. And the teachers and the nuns and the priests were encouraging them to push these candy bars. Oh my god. Things were really odd at St. James, man. Um, remember bathroom breaks? Remember, I had a... I was sickly as a kid. And the candy bar thing kind of goes with these. Remember saying to Miss McDevitt, can I use the bathroom? And she was being a real bitch about it, right? And she said to me one time, I'm going to let you go this time. But you go to the bathroom and it's a sign to go to the bathroom. Let me give you a newsflash here. Going to the men's room or the boys' room at St. James was not exactly a treat. We were going to urinate. And I thought to myself, if this f***ing woman doesn't let me go to the bathroom, I'm just going to piss in class one day. It was really strange. And then she would mock you in front of the whole class. Oh, well, Billy has to go to the bathroom again. The class would be telling you. It would be like the greatest joke in the world. Ha, ha, ha. You have to go urinate. Which is weird, because I know I heard during Carl Barr's district court campaign, one of the things he brags about is having a great bladder. In some campaign literature, I actually heard he brags that he has a strong bladder, so therefore he does not need to go to the bathroom, and he could push some judicial economy. One more reason why we got to vote for Torchio Feaster in district court. By the way, on that district court theme, dealing with somebody that, who's running against Torchio, I could tell you, people take politics worse than grammar school fashion shows. Jesus Christ. Yes, I'm supporting Torchio Feaster, but if we have to work together, it's okay, we could still be professional. Please take notes on that competition. Anyway, bathroom breaks at St. James were this big thing. When one of the teachers would let you go urinate, they were acting like they were doing you the greatest favor in the world. Well, you could go piss this time, but next time that's not going to happen. My god, I look back at my St. James days. Oh, yeah, yeah. Recess was always fascinating. I mean, it's just a South Jersey thing. I don't know. But they'd be sitting there. Like, who had the better sneakers? And they would, it would be like a fashion show for the guys. Remember at recess, there were these two kids. They always had to be on the same wiffle ball team. And if they weren't on the same wiffle ball team, they refused to play. And the teachers would say, well, they're close friends. So they got to play on the same team together. What are we preaching here? Here's what I want you to take from St. James today, guys. Number one. If you sell overpriced candy bars, it's okay if you do it in the name of the Lord. Number two. Bathroom breaks are amazing amenities. So... Either you hold that piss in, or you get a break to go to the bathroom. And three, if people are friends, they can't possibly ever be on the opposite ends of issues, even if it's wiffle ball. 
That place was f***ed up. You could quote me on that. And I know, I know. I always say, if there was a St. James reunion, I'm very concerned about attending. Because let's be real. I don't drink. I don't smoke weed. I don't use drugs. There's going to be some idiots there drinking. And there's a couple people I would just love to choke out. I got a lot to lose by just beating someone's ass, so I don't think I'll go to a St. James reunion. But hey guys, good luck with those candy sales, huh? I'm sure they're still going on. Anyway, moving from grammar school dysfunction to law dysfunction, let's talk about legal events that were not quite what they were cracked up to be. So when you become a lawyer, what they're going to do is tell you you can be part of all these different organizations. There's the sports law organization, there's the criminal organization, there's the cannabis organization, and you're paying all this extra money to be part of these organizations. So you go to one of these orgs, right? And you are literally like walking around the room with a bunch of business cards, much like a B&I situation. And you hand your business card to someone, and they hand their business card to you, and you're walking around. At the end of the night, you have all these business cards. And the only thing I could equate it to is, like, when you go to Vegas, you know, and, like, all these strip clubs and the hookers are giving you their business cards as you're walking down the strip. That's what it feels like going into some of these bar organizations. But things happen at these events. There's a lot of drinking involved. I'm going to tell you one story where alcohol and the law collided. In 2015 and 16, I was going to these events. I don't know any better. So you go to these events, right? You're shaking hands. I'm out of shape back then. I don't know what's going on. I'm trying to network. We're trying to find our way. You know, by 2018, 19, you're kind of like, okay, this is all bullshit. I'm not going. So, in 2019, actually it was 2020, a good friend of mine goes to an event. And it's a criminal event. And for some reason, there were some prosecutors at the criminal event. It was like these prosecutors and these criminal lawyers were holding hands on these issues about cannabis and at the end of these events, what they do is they drink their ass off. They're drinking, they're partying, hooking up, and doing this, and doing that. And my friend is at this event, and there's a very good-looking prosecutor he's very drawn to. And as she's drunk, she is bad-mouthing me. She's throwing back the shots. It's just, oh my god. You're friends with Amadeo. He is such a f***ing ass. I hate Bill so much. Now, my friend starts defending me. He's an amazing guy. He helped me find work when I couldn't find work. He's such a fighter. And she's going on and on. So he calls me. And I'm like, guys, why don't you pay real close attention to what I'm about to say. My friend calls me up, and he says, so-and-so is bad-mouthing you. I'm like, okay. 
He says, I don't know what to do. I've been defending you. And she's going on and on. And I said, you guys are socializing? It's like, yeah. One of the things she dropped in the conversation is how she hasn't been laid in a while. So I said to my friend, let me get this straight. She's at a social event. She's saying how she hasn't been laid. She's talking to you and bad-mouthing me. He said yes. And you want to get with her? I do. Let me give you some advice here. I mean this for any of the viewers at home. If bad-mouthing me helps you get laid with somebody you're attractive to, please bad-mouth me. I'll be okay. It's going to be all right. There are no hard feelings here, all right? I'm going to live. It's going to be fine. And I wish you well with that. I'm going to be okay, but apparently my name can bring ire in some situations. Please, please, knock yourself out. I'm going to be okay. And uh, he did badmouth me. And those to end up in a relationship briefly. He regrets that today. Um, I will say this, though. I'm glad I could help out the initial part of the process. And that helped him a lot. Other things you learn at these functions were if you pay this amount of money, and this goes back to the candy sales, you get this amazing benefit to membership. Like if you give us $400, you get this discount for 10% off it hurts. Be crazy not to join, right? You know, and as a young lawyer, you got all these gimmicks, right? And you're going on and on and on. And you're signing up for everything because you think this is your ticket. The best event I ever went to. The cannabis event. That was interesting. So this guy was working at our firm. And he's telling me. He wants somebody from the firm to go with him to this event. And he says, all the best lawyers in Michigan are going to be there. And uh, you got to meet these people. And I'm not going to mention any names. Because you got to meet these people. It's an amazing group. Now, at the time, I don't do criminal law. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm watching. And I thought it was kind of weird when I walked in the room. Because it looked like there was more than pot going on. You got these group of lawyers that are sweating profusely and they're telling jokes only they understand. And they're going on and on. And they're talking about older cases. And the guy with me, he's saying, oh my God, there's lawyer A and there's lawyer B. I don't know shit this time. He's telling me these are all the best lawyers in the state of Michigan. The brilliant criminal minds. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You learn later in time they may not be as good as he thought they were. With that being stated, I don't know what's going on, but the most memorable part of this event was when this one lawyer was given this speech. And he was like the fifth guy up, right? And they're telling these war stories about trials. And this guy's going on and on and on. 
And he goes, and then we did this, and then we did that, and then we did this, and then we did that. So all these people, they're like raising their hands and hugging this guy for what an amazing story he gave. What an amazing trial he had. So I don't know anything at this time. I said, hey, I got a question for you. And he goes, what's up? After the trial, did you poll the jury to say what really put you over the top? And he looked at me and goes, well, no, I didn't win that trial. So the guy tells me he didn't win this trial, right? And I'm confused because he's telling me this was his greatest moment of his career. Now listen, I get it. As criminal lawyers, it's not always easy to win trials. But this group of elite lawyers, I learned, they didn't win anything at this particular event. They just wanted to smoke pot. At the end of the evening, this one guy is walking around in like a bathrobe with this snifter of Hennessy, smoking a joint in public, explaining his philosophy on the new cannabis statute. As I'm choking on the pot, listen to this man in his bathrobe. I thought to myself, there's got to be a better way here. Watch your ass on those meetings, man. They will tell you about all these amazing events. What could happen is maybe you'll network. Or maybe you'll get a bunch of business cards of people you don't need. Maybe you'll get 10% off it hurts. Maybe I'll get a contact high from the pot. Alright, I'm out. The proceeding was a paid presentation by McManus and Amadeo PLLC. Listeners of this program should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter. No listener should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information within this program without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation. Listening to this program using any associated website or related links or resources does not create an attorney-client relationship between the listener and host, contributors, or contributing law firms. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this program are hereby expressly disclaimed. You and your loved ones deserve a criminal defense firm that believes that your life and freedom are worth fighting for. Matt McManus, Bill Amadeo, and the McManus and Amadeo team of attorneys, investigators, and case managers will take the lead with a vast knowledge and legal experience across the state of Michigan to get the best possible result for you. Learn more at McManusAmadeo.com. Schedule a free consultation 24-7 by calling 800-392-7311.